I love our church. Do you love our church? This is such a great place to worship, to connect in healthy relationships, and to pursue Jesus together. Last week, Lori was here, and uh, Lori uh, Prather is our children's pastor, and she challenged us to think about one word for the new year. Did some of you get the one word? Yes, some of you are doing that. So the concept is, rather than trying to come up with a bunch of resolutions, what if we had one word as a theme or a pursuit for the year? What if we had one word that we wanted to, to pursue as, as a person? For example, maybe your word is joy this year. Maybe you feel like you've been overwhelmed by circumstances and you want to pursue joy in your, in your life. And, and maybe that's, that's it for you. And so that becomes the word that guides your year, that's the theme for the year. It's a choice that you make every day. Um, the truth is, about 92% of us who make resolutions at the beginning of the year fail by the second month of the year. 92% of us fail. Now, isn't that encouraging? Aren't and some of you are like, that's exactly why I don't make resolutions anymore. I just, I'm, I fail and it doesn't work out. And so um, I, I've spent some time because I've been interested in asking the question, why do I fail at doing the things that I want to do in life? Why, do I, why am I not able to keep the resolutions that I make at the beginning of the year? Have you ever wondered why you're not able to do that? And some of you look at me and, and say, Matt, you're just not strong enough or smart enough or good enough or whatever it is. And, and sometimes we think that, that we, we don't have the power to, to achieve the things that we want to achieve in life. And so I've been doing a little bit of research and studying the concept of habits. Could habits, could the ways that we're living our lives, the routines, the patterns, could they be the reason we're not able to achieve the things that we want to achieve? And there's been a lot of research, scientific research on this in the past few years. Uh, a couple of books um, that I've been, I've been looking at that, that would be great for you to pick up if you're interested in this kind of thing. The Power of Habit was written by Charles Duhigg. A lot of research, um, scientific research on the mind, the triggers that... that that move us in certain directions and cause us to do what we do. And then Atomic Habits is a newer book um, that talks about all these little building blocks that lead us to become the kind of people that we are today. And I think this is fascinating. Um, let me ask you this question. What was one thing you did today between the time that you got up in the morning out of bed and you came here to church? What is one thing that you did that you didn't even really think about doing? Do you have it? Do you have it in your mind? So go ahead and tell your neighbor what it is. Go ahead and tell your neighbor what it is. You got it? Okay. The first, the first answer I heard to the question, and let me see how many of you said this. Brush my teeth. How many of you said brush my teeth? Yeah. Yeah. So many of us. And we are, those around you are thankful that that was the first thing that you did this morning. Did anybody not brush your teeth? This, no, don't raise your hand. Um, everybody will be scooting to the side. Yeah, brush, we, we brush our teeth. And what's interesting about brushing our teeth is it's really not um, a conscious decision that, that most of us have to make every day. It is so baked into our routine. It's so much a part of, of the routine of our lives that we brush our teeth every morning and every night. Now, if you've ever had children, your children don't do this naturally, do they? It is something that you have to work with your children to brush their teeth every morning and every night before they go to bed. And dentists say you should brush your teeth how long? 
two minutes. How many of you brush your teeth actually for two minutes, two minutes long? Oh, you guys are awesome. I have an orthodontist in here, and he's probably looking around like very thankful that I've brushed your teeth two minutes. How many of you floss after you brush your teeth? Do we have flossers in the room? Yes. I floss every day. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, my kids hate when I do stuff like that in, in church. Anyway, anyway, yes. So, so there are certain things that we that we do every day out of routine that we don't even have to think about. It's like a subconscious activity. Now, here's what Duhigg says about habits. That they emerge because the brain, our brains are hardwired to try to make life easier for us, right? So habits emerge because the brain is constantly looking for ways to save effort. I think we have a quote here from Duhigg um, somewhere. Yes. Habits emerge because the brain constantly looking for ways to save effort. Did you know that? That you are hardwired. I'm hardwired to have rhythms in my life that I don't even have to think about. That they just happen just subconsciously. Have you ever been driving home from work or for somewhere that you, you frequent? And like when you get about a minute from home, you think to yourself, did, did I hit any red lights on my way home? Did I stop at that stop sign? Like, how did I get right here? Has anybody ever had that feeling of, I don't know if I hit somebody on my way here. I hope not, but, but I just like, because our minds are helping us conserve energy. Isn't that awesome? The way that God designed our minds was to constantly be working to make life easier for us, to, 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 to take away all these decisions that we're making. Now, one of the challenges for us, especially at the beginning of the year, is we like to set goals. We like to think about these, these big, um, sometimes call, people call them uh, BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals that we like to set, and we think we want to do this in life. And the challenge is we never get around to building systems that move us towards those goals, right? Now, some of you are like, is this a TED Talk or are we going to talk about God at some point in the future? I'll get there. I promise I, I'll get there. But I think it's important that we understand how God made us, how our minds work in order to move toward God who is also pursuing us. Does that make, does that make sense? So, so we'll get there in just a second. But goals, which we love to set goals. I mean, our culture loves goals. I'm not a huge goal kind of a person. Uh, especially long-term goals, like three- to five-year plans. I, I'm like, I don't even know what's going to happen next week. I can't predict what's going to happen in three to five years. But goals are good for setting our direction. But it's systems that move us along the path to get to where we want to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, the systems are so important to get us to where we want to go. Now, let's talk for a second about marathons. I, there was a time in my life where I wanted to run a marathon. Now that I've run one, I know that I don't want to do that again. But there was a time in my life, and I set a goal that I wanted to run a marathon. And for years, I failed at that goal. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, I signed up one year for a marathon, and I thought, I'm going to be able to run this one. I'm going to, I'm going to put in the training, and I'm going to do what, it needs, what needs to be done so I can run this marathon. And couple months before the marathon, I switched from a marathon to a half marathon, and I was like, well, halfway. I can get halfway there. And I barely even made that. And I learned the problem was not my goal. Like, I can run a marathon. 
It was my system. My system was broken. You, all of us in this room could set a goal of running a marathon this year. Every single one of us. All of us could set that goal. But if we don't have the systems in place, we'll never be able to run a marathon. We might be able to walk and crawl and get across the finish line, but we won't run a marathon unless we do the training necessary to run the marathon, right? Those of you who are runners in the room, I mean, you've got to do the work. You've got to put in the work. You've got to create a system to get you to your goal. Now, spiritual formation. I want to talk about our spiritual lives. God's desire for you and for me. And, and a lot of times we want to know what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Here it is. This is God's will for your life in 2019. And it's the same as it was in 2018. And it was the same as it was in 2017. Here's what God wants for you. He wants you to be formed into the image of Jesus. He wants you to look more like Jesus. I'm not talking about a Middle Eastern man from the first century. I'm talking about he wants you to love people the way that Jesus loved people. He wants you to display grace to people the way that Jesus displayed grace. He wants you to understand truth and walk in truth the way that Jesus did that. So, so God's goal for you, his will for your life, and his will for my life is the same exact thing. He wants me to be formed into the image of Jesus. And here's why. For the good of others and the world at large. It's why with Abraham, at the, near the very beginning of the Bible, he, he said to Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you, and in turn, you are to become a blessing to others. That's what God wants for all of us, to be conformed into the image of Jesus for the sake of others and for the good of the world around us. Now, are you with me? Now, if I took this... Oh, Yes, if I took this and said, okay, my goal this year is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's my goal. But I never talked about the system that would help me get there. I would fail. I'm, I'm going to fail miserably anyway at becoming more, I mean, at, at being just like Jesus, but I'm going to become more like him if I create the systems in my life, the rhythms, the daily activity that moves me along the path to become more like Jesus. That's the only way I'll ever grow into the likeness of Jesus. Are you with me? And the same is true for you. If you never think about your daily patterns and rhythms and routines, the habits of your life, you will never become a more loving person. Don't nudge your spouse right now. That is not a nice thing to do. Spiritual formation it isn't just about our, our spiritual life. Spiritual formation is about our whole life. God doesn't want you to become more like Jesus just for the purpose of showing up on a Sunday and looking more like Jesus. He wants you to become more like Jesus so your whole life, your business, your marriage, your parenting, your grandparenting, your retirement, all of that looks like Jesus' life is full of love and grace and truth. Uh, the, the passage of Scripture that frames today and where we're going to start this, this discussion of habits uh, is found in Romans chapter 12. And many of you have heard this passage of Scripture before, but it simply says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. In other words, don't just go with the flow of culture. Don't, don't just fit in with, with the, the, the overall direction of culture. And it says, but instead, be transformed by letting God change the way that you do what? Think. 
habits begin in the mind. They begin with the ways that we think about life. Eventually, they become unconscious in that we don't have to think about them anymore, but they begin with the ways that we're thinking. And this passage of Scripture, which, which Paul was writing to the Roman church, a group of, of early Christians, um, it says, don't just, just go along with the behavior, but start by that next little phrase, but be transformed. Say that with me. Be transformed. Be transformed. This isn't a passive thing, although it is God's activity within us. It is an active participation in what God wants to do within your mind and your heart. But be transformed by letting God change the way that you think. Now, here's what we're learning more and more every single day about our habits, is that the actions that most people will never notice in your life, the actions that go on behind the scenes of your life and my life, the things that people will never see about us form the person and the character that everyone sees. You want to become that kind of person? It's the things that you do when no one's looking that will form that kind of person. You want to be, be more loving? You want to be a better husband? You want to be a better wife? You want to be a more supportive husband? You want to be a more supportive wife? It's the things that you do when no one's looking, your wife, your husband included, that will create that kind of person, it's not just the things that everyone else sees. In fact, it's the things that most people will never see about you, right? That's how habits work. Um, I, I know I have some coaches in the room, uh, some athletic people in the room who, who play sports, who participate in sports, and this is so true in our athletic lives, isn't it? That it's the things that nobody else sees that create the opportunity to be or perform at a level when everybody else is watching. It's the same tr thing with, with art, with music. Uh, the, this band that we have, which is amazing, our band is amazing. Like, we have, we have, top, we have top shelf kind of players in this room who are playing uh, every weekend. Volunteers, they're just giving their time to do this. It's, it's not what they do here that makes them great players. Did you know that? It's what they do at home when nobody's looking. It's, it's that hour at night of them saying, you know what, I'm going to go through this riff again and again and again because I want to be that kind of a player who's prepared to play Jeopardy when nobody else knows we're going to play Jeopardy on Sunday morning just to be able to play it because I know what it sounds like and I can put the keys down to make it sound like I hear it sounding in my head. Like most of us can't do that, but it's because of what they do day in and day out that we never see that makes them the great players when we see them. And it's true about our lives that it's the small daily patterns that are multiplied. Um, I, I heard this said, that the same way money multiplies through compound interest, and some of us understand this, the same way money multiplies through compound interest, habits multiply as they're repeated in our lives. And here's the challenge with, when it comes to habits, is if I want to run a marathon, I have to begin with one mile, not 26 and when I get up and I run one mile on Monday morning, and then I look back at the end of the day and I think to myself, I'm about to die, and that's only one mile. And I get up and I try to run on Tuesday morning and I realize my legs won't move again, 
And I think, there is no way I'm ever going to run 26 miles. And I, after a week, and then I go to two miles, and my body says, I don't know what you're thinking, but I am not going to take you two miles today. You're going to have to walk the last half mile. And so you start walking, and pretty soon, after a month, you think to yourself, I will never be able to run 26 miles because it's too small. What I'm doing today is way too small, and it's too insignificant. And that is a lie because every little decision that you make will be multiplied into the future if you continue to repeat that decision again and again and again. Let me give you an example that just I think all of us could probably understand is that when I was first out of college and I got my first job, I was making tons of money. You know how much money I made my first job? $14,000. It was unbelievable. I didn't know what I was going to do with all that money. And I had somebody who, who kind of pulled me aside and said to me, Matt, one of the best decisions you can make today is to invest in your retirement. And I thought, well, I'm never going to die. I'm like 20 years old. Like I've got, I've, that's never going to happen. So I don't want to in, invest in my retirement. I want a car. Like I want a new car. I don't want a retirement fund. And um, Jeff Janess sat me down. He said, Matt, if you choose today to do this and you repeat that every single week or every single month, however often you get paid, I'm telling you, in 20, 30, 40 years, it will pay huge dividends the law of compounding interest. Well, on $14,000 a year, I started putting away, I didn't quite get to 10%, but maybe $1,000 a year. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do what Jeff called me to do. And I looked back after five years, and how much money was there? Okay, those of you who did math, who said math. <laughs> 1000 a year for five years equals... $5,000. For five years, I did the hard work of investing almost 10% of my paycheck into, in, in, into my retirement. And I could look back after five years and say, I am well on my way to a million dollars. I have five grand in the bank. And it would have been easy for me at that point to get discouraged and say, it doesn't even matter. Like this makes no difference in the course of my life. It is too small to make a difference. But another wise man told me, quit looking at your retirement now. Wait until later. And so I continued that process of putting money away, and I never missed it. I mean, I, I, there were times I looked and I said, oh, I could do something different with that money, but I just, I, it just was something Robin and I decided to do early on. And today, I have $33 million in the bank. <laughs> I don't, not even close to it. Some of you like, like you went, wait, what? No, I don't. But I have more than $5,000. And if I work until I'm 95, I'll have enough to retire. It'll be fine. No, no. The law of count, when I'm looking today at my retirement, it is radically different than what I thought it was going to be when I saw $5,000. Why? Because our income increases uh, the compounding interest increases, and usually you don't see that till after like 20, 25 years in, in huge amounts. But all of a sudden, you begin to look and you go, oh, that's why I made the decision to do the small investments over time to become something that I never thought was possible. And that's not just about money, it's your spiritual life as well. It's the small investments that you make every single day. It's the small investments I make every single day to make me the kind of person that God wants me to become full of love and grace and truth. Um, 
one of the pastors that I met a few years ago, his name's Craig Rochelle, and uh, every now and then I kind of watch what he does and listen to what he does, and um, this year, they began last night their, their new series this year, and it's called Habits of All Things, and I couldn't believe, like, we matched up, and, and so I watched a little bit of his message last night, and he said this, and I just, I think this is so true, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently, day in and day out, what, what other people just do every now and then. I'll do it when I can. I'll, do, I'll, I'll, I'll start running when I have time to run. You'll never have time to run if you're going to start running when you have time. You have to make a decision to make the small investments today that have huge payoff in the future. Now, the good news, the good news is, uh, scientists tell us this, that we can influence any habit we want to influence. Did you know that? That whatever habits you have in your life, some of you have terrible habits in your life right now. Can I get an amen? Some of you have terrible habits in your life right now. Okay, there's a couple of you who are being honest. All of us have some terrible habits in our life. Every single person in this room has some terrible habits. But the good news is scientists tell us that we can influence any habit we want, but if we don't take an active role, habits form without our approval in our lives, and it just becomes a part of our routine without our permission. We have the ability to make a decision today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday to do the things to help us move in the right direction, to create those systems. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, come on, that's good news, that you're not alone in this pursuit. Like in becoming more like Christ and becoming a more loving person, you're not left to your own strength, your own abilities, your own will, because God knows none of us are good enough. And so God is working in us. He is already working in us. Whether or not you realize it, whether or not you're participating with that right now, God is working within you to give you the will and the desire and the power to do what will please him, which is becoming formed into the image of Christ. That's what he wants for all of us. And he is working in us to bring this about. Before we ever do something, we have to be and believe something. We have to believe that God is willing and able to work in us to bring about the changes that all of us need. Now, as we start this year and as we start this series, uh, we're going to move in just a minute towards a time of communion. We thought this would be a great way to start our, our year and our worship is to focus on the sacrifice of Jesus. But before we do that, you can set all the stuff aside, that you, you know, put it on the floor, get out of your way just for a second. And I want you to hear a couple of things and I, and I want to see if, if we can't begin to believe these things. You ready? Here they are. We are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And I know most of us don't feel like it. I know most of us look in the mirror or we, we listen to the, some voices of someone else, but I'm telling you, like you, you are God's masterpiece. And if you've ever had kids or grandkids and they, they do a painting at school, um, you know, finger paint or paint by numbers, and it's, I mean... In some ways, it's just awful. But to you, it's a masterpiece as their parent or their grandparent, right? It doesn't even matter. 
Like the fact that they, they, they hand something to you and say, Grandma, I love you. Here. It's your master. You put it up, you put it up in, your, in your kitchen, the place where most of us spend the, the most amount of time, on, on the refrigerator. We put it there. We would frame it and put it on our wall if we could. Take down all that expensive art. It doesn't matter. That's how God feels about you. And you look at yourself and you think, I've made a mess of my life. I, I'm not who I want to be. And God says, well, you're still my masterpiece. You are still my masterpiece. And I know it may look like a mess right now, but if you'll trust me, if you'll walk with me, you know, some of that will begin to change. But you're still my masterpiece. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, you look at this world and you think, man, there, it seems like there, there are things against me or after me or there's, there's things that are holding me back. Listen, if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? Nothing. And greater than that, nothing can ever separate us from the love that is found in Christ Jesus. Like nothing can separate you from the love that God has for you and it's found in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing that you do, nothing that you say, life, death, angels, demons. I mean, Paul makes this huge list of things. The things that you want to do that you don't do, the things you don't want to do but you still end up doing, like Paul goes through that whole thing. He, he feels like he's got some sort of a, a mental issue, but he's like, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Anybody else? Amen. Like, yes, yes, yes. Still, nothing can separate you from God's love. I mean, how, how incredible is that? I mean, that should make you smile to know that, that God still loves you even with the mess that you make. We are God's children, sons and daughters. We're God's children, sons and daughters. And um, as sons and daughters, we are, we are heirs to his kingdom, to his throne, to, to all of it. It's, it's ours. And that's good news for all of us. I mean, I hope we can like rest in that this year. I hope it's something that we can let seep into our minds and our hearts. And as we think about who we want to become, which is good to do at the beginning of the year, to think, oh, I want to become more loving. I want to, I want to become more disciplined. All that's, that's good. But before we get to the doing part, let's be his children. Let's be reminded that we are his masterpiece. There's nothing we can do to once we get to the doing side, there's nothing we can do to earn any more of his love. Like, we can't do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to get rid of it. Like, it's there. It's just there, and we should rest in that. You, you, you got one of these when you, um, when you walked in, and um, each week you'll get a different one. And on the inside, we're, we're, we're wanting to give you some experiments to try in, in that week's um, Focus. So this, this week's focus is, is to be, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by allowing God to do something in our mind. And so three activities we want to we give you to try out, to experiment with. Uh, the first is silence and solitude. Uh, it, scripture tells us in Luke that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I'm reminded if Jesus needed to withdraw, I need to withdraw. And you need to withdraw. Uh, and, and so could you spend maybe five minutes at the beginning of the day in silence and solitude? And I know some of us have kids running around our house and craziness. Could you get up 10 minutes earlier and slip into a room and sit in a chair and just 
just try to sit in silence and, and listen for God. And then the second one, uh, awareness, the, the awareness experiment. Uh, Brother Lawrence, many of you have, have heard the name Brother Lawrence and, and a little book uh, that was written that, that practicing the presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was a cook of all things. I think he worked in the kitchen. And uh, Brother Lawrence had this, this, uh, this, this desire to know that God was with him all the time. So he went on this little experiment. He said, how long can I be aware? Like each day, could, could I be aware of God's presence every hour I'm awake? And so he, he, he tried to practice this. In Psalm, uh, David wrote, I can never escape from your spirit. Now, you could read that two different ways. I can never get away from you. Or you can read it as, I, I can never escape your spirit. Wherever I go, God, you're there. Could you be reminded of God's presence in your life? You know, once every hour. You know, one minute out of every hour, could you remind yourself, God is with me. Every single day. Just, just an, ex, an experiment in awareness. And then uh, an experiment in meditation. In, in focusing your mind on, on things that are good and right. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Whatever is worthy of God's praise. Like, let's think about these things. So maybe this week, one of those experiments would lead you into a habit that would begin a process of conforming you to the image of Jesus. If they're not helpful, set them aside. These are only good if they're helpful in creating what God wants to create. Uh, conformed into the image of Christ, people who are formed into his image. And so maybe begin to, to try some things that would put you in a place to allow God to transform your mind, to change the way that you think. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. And let's do the things, the small things that nobody sees to become the kind of people that then everybody sees, the kind of people who love and are full of grace and, and mercy and truth. Well, would you stand with me? And I'm going to say a benediction over you, and, uh, and then the band's going to sing one last song. If you want to stick around, you can. If not, you can slip out, and uh, that's, that's fine. But I want you to know, I want you to know that God is with you, and he's for you, and he's pursuing you, and he's relentless in his love. He sent Jesus Christ for you and for me. And so may you walk in that truth. May you rest in the truth that you are a masterpiece. Like you are a child of God, a son, a daughter. May, may you receive this truth from Jesus Christ by his spirit. May you rest in it and then may you walk in it. And may you be formed into the image of Jesus himself. Go in his love and his grace and his peace. Have a great week experimenting with these things, and we'll see you next Sunday for week two of Habitology.